Renaissance family. How are y'all doing? No, really, how are you guys doing? Hi, my name is Janice and I'm a volunteer here. Usually you would see me on stage doing announcements or working with Renaissance kids. Me and my husband, Joe, really miss gathering in person, but we still know that we're still a part of the church, even with services online. You can show up late and still be on time for praise and worship. You can come here in your pajamas because that's your business. And you can still get a good word. Today, Jordan is going to be speaking about how we can have healthy expectations with God during this difficult time. He's going to be preaching from John chapter 16, verse 33. It reads, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Didn't you feel that in your spirit? I did. At the end of service, Jordan is going to come back and give us an update on the We Spread Love campaign. So please stick around for that. What's going on, Renaissance family? This is Jordan. Yo, now more than ever, it's really important that everyone is following us on all of our Instagram and Twitter and Facebook pages, in addition to subscribing to our YouTube channel. And if you haven't already filled out a connection card uh, for whatever reason, you can do that online at renaissancenyc.com backslash connect. Uh, in this time of social distance, we really want to make sure that no one falls through the cracks and we can keep everybody on the same page of all the things that are happening and hopefully we can maintain our family together. So uh, please go on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. As soon as you're done with this today, make sure you're following us on everything. All right, we're going to get into the word for today. Uh, let me pray for us before we get into it. God, our Father, uh, you meet us and you desire to be with us. Uh, even when we are in new circumstances and new situations, God, help us to be able to navigate the time that we are in and help us to be able to navigate it well. God, give me words to say right now that would be helpful for people, and I pray that you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word for us. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, one of the things that we've been thinking about and praying about is that even in this time of very necessary social distancing, that we are equipping everyone to have uh, what it takes to not just survive these next couple of weeks or months, but to thrive in this period. Now for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be talking about faith and what it looks like to not just survive, but to thrive in a time of crisis. And certainly this time of pandemic is just that. Now, some of you guys are newer to Christianity, and this is a perfect time for you because you're going to get a chance to take a look at faith, and you probably don't have as much baggage to unlearn as some of other people who have been following Jesus for a long time. But for all of us, it's really important that we are people uh, that walk and live by faith. I think that when it's all said and done for me in my life, I want to be known as a person that lived by faith, that on my tombstone, it says that here lays Jordan Rice who lived by faith. I hope that I pass it down to my kids and my grandkids and everybody who's connected to me, my friends, my family. I hope that the enduring thing that people remember about me is that I lived by faith. And I hope that's a characteristic of your life as well, that you are a person who has lived and will live by faith. In good times, you live by faith. In difficult times, you live by faith. There's a passage of scripture in Hebrews 11 that it gets me and it brings me to tears almost every single time that I read it. And it's a commentary on men and women who lived by faith. And it says in verse 
32 of chapter 11, what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, not Obama, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. The writer of Hebrews, as uh, they list uh, this great hall of faith, all these men and women who lived by faith, talks about something that is so profound and yet so elusive in this day. What does it mean for you and I to live by faith so that when they tell the story of our life, it will say the world was not worthy of them? Uh, when it's all said and done, I hope that all of us develop what is necessary, what it means to live and to walk by faith. Now, it's almost easier to describe what faith is not than it is to talk about what faith is. Uh, biblical faith is not something that is circumstantial. It does not depend on your circumstances. Now, this is really important for us to get. Uh, there's a pastor in Atlanta that said, um, one of the main things that erodes our faith more than anything else is when we have unexplainable circumstances where God does not do what we think God should have done. Unexplainable circumstances where God does not do what we think God should have done. Now, what he calls that and what I call that is something called circumstantial faith. Circumstantial faith says this. Circumstantial faith is I believe in God based on my ability uh, to see God in my circumstances. Now, circumstantial faith, uh, as a result, becomes belief based on what we can see, based on what we can experience, based on what other people around us do, based on what we can understand. It's a faith that goes up and down depending on what's going on in your life. Uh, when times are good and everything is clicking, God is great. As I used to say in my church, God is good all the time and all the time, God is good. But when times are bad, when your job situation is uncertain, when your health or the health of someone else that you love is uncertain, we feel like God is mean or that God is absent or that God has left us or forgotten us. And then when times are difficult, we start to see our faith erode. Now, in those times, what I found in my own life is that sometimes it's not that faith has eroded, it's just that our circumstantial faith has eroded. Now, I know personally what it means like to have a circumstantial faith. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, know me or my story, um, uh, I lost my, my first wife, my late wife, Danielle, to cancer. She was a very special woman, um, beautiful inside and out, but she was definitely not the one to mess with. Uh, you know, I'm, I've always been a people pleaser my whole life. We would go to a restaurant and my chicken would be like uncooked. I'd be like, well, you know, raw chicken can't hurt you that bad anyway, can it? Uh, but she was like a pit bull. She did not play around. And we would always joke about her as she was going through her, her chemo treatment that if it were me on the other side of it and not her, you know, I would have given up a long time ago. But she was so, she was so tough. And while... Um, she was fighting cancer. My, our last gift to her 
as a family, uh, my last gift to her was to let her fight uh, her fight at home. And for the last about month of her life, as she was fighting for her life, I was fighting for my faith. Everything that I had known and believed about God was crumbling. Now, theologically, I knew that God didn't promise me that everything would go okay. But in my heart, I kind of had this circumstantial faith that God had to make things better, that if God was really good and if he really loved me, then how in the world could he have given me this front row seat of watching my late wife die? Now, I know all what it means to have a circumstantial faith, and it's something that will never lead us to a place where we can have deep faith, uh, deep belief in God that goes through every season. What I found to be true for me, which might also be true for some of you, is that sometimes we don't have faith in God. We have faith in something we want God to do. That's a big distinction. Sometimes we don't have faith in God, like who God is and his character, his nature, his promises to us. We have faith in what God is going to do. And when God doesn't do what we want him to do, our faith erodes. So faith is not circumstantial. And one of the things that I've taken on as a life mission is that as a people, we all need to know how to maintain a life of faith in the middle, in the midst of pain and adversity. So a better definition of what faith is, is faith is confidence in the character of God. The character of God does not change. It does not move. Uh, It says in James that uh, God is a giver of good gifts. This God is a God who does not change like shifting shadows. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about ways that we can grow in our faith and our confidence in not what God can do, but in God's character and his nature and to grow real faith even in a time of crisis. Now today, we're going to be taking a look at our expectations and why it is so important that you and I approach God with the right expectations. Now, in any relationship, particularly in a relationship with God, we need the right expectations. Now, my hope is that very soon we will be able to return to normal. Uh, Nothing would make me happier than going to see my family and hugging everyone and cooking out of my parents' backyard. Uh, Nothing will make me happier than being gathered at church with my Renaissance family, hugging people, those of you who are huggers, uh, hugging everyone left and right. Um, Be prepared for the day when you're going to get these hugs for sure. And I can't wait for that when we don't worry about the coronavirus. Uh, You know things are really bad when New Yorkers that see each other on the street are nice to each other. I was walking down the street the other day just saying hi to random people, six feet apart, but still saying hi to them. And I was daydreaming like, man, what am I going to do when like there's no more scare at all? And I was thinking about it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Sugar Hill Creamery. I'm going to get some ice cream. They have this like blueberry cheesecake ice cream. And I'm going to sit down in a restaurant and I'm going to yell at my kids just like for old time's sake. And it's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely amazing when things get back to normal. But even when life returns back to normal for many of us, because for some of us, it will never return to normal. I never want us to return to bad expectations of who God is, right? So even if if life were to go back tomorrow, if they found a cure in the next 24 hours, uh, even if they did that, I still don't want us to approach life with with, uh, with the incorrect expectations of who God is and what God is like and what it means to have deep, real, biblical faith in him. 
In John 16, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, Jesus says these words that I hope will guide the rest of our time today and also your conversations and your thoughts this week. Here's what he tells us. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. What is Jesus saying? He's talking to his closest followers, the people that he loves dearly, and he's setting good expectations for them. He's telling them there will be times when we do not have the life that we wanted. There will be times where you will not have the life that you feel like you deserve. And in those times, in order for you to be connected with him, to grow in faith, you and I need to be prepared to have the right expectations of life, that these are not just interruptions in your life, but these are a part of your life. Now, now is a good time for us to reset our expectations and to align ourselves with what it means to live in a fallen world. Now, why does Jesus tell us that in this world you will have suffering? There's a number of reasons for that. But one of those reasons is that Scripture teaches that uh, we live in something called a fallen world, a broken world. This means that ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve, our earliest ancestors, did not trust God and the relationship with God and people was broken so that everything we experience now in this world are not the way things ought to be. On this side of eternity, things will never be how ideal they could be in a perfect world. You and I, if you're followers of Jesus, you should always work towards justice. But just know, even no matter how hard you work towards justice, there will always be situations that are unjust. This doesn't mean to stop working for justice, but this does mean to reset our expectations to know that things in this world are not the way they should be. You and I should definitely eat healthy. I'm all for quarantine snacks, but you, should, you and I should take our body seriously, and our body's a temple, the Bible says. But just know that one day, hopefully when we're 110 years old, your body's gonna stop working. No matter how healthily you ate, no matter how much exercise you did, things in this life never are the way, are never gonna function as if this is uh, perfection. You and I should really seek to have deep, meaningful relationships. And what this means in times of pandemic means you're FaceTiming people, um, uh, you're reaching out to people uh, digitally on Zoom to make sure you're staying connected. But no matter how good a relationship is, there's always this possibility or the likelihood that at some point they're going to hurt you. Everyone that you love will hurt you. Everyone. Why is that? Because things in this world are not the way they should be. We live in a fallen and a broken world. And it also means that no matter how we, amazing we think something is going to be, um, it's never gonna live up to what we thought it was. There's always gonna be a gap in between what we hope to experience and what we actually experience. This world was never meant to satisfy our deepest longings and desires. Uh, you guys know I love podcasts. Uh, I was listening to this podcast called This American Life, and um, it was an episode about uh, a family that went to the Disney World Hotel every year. Not Disney World, the Disney World Hotel. For the, whatever reason, the mother was terrified of going into the actual uh, theme park, and this is before social distancing. And every year she would take her kids with her to this hotel, which was right next to the actual theme park. 
And they interviewed the child, uh, who was now an adult, and said, like, what did it feel like to go to the Disney World Hotel for years? Every year they would go back and forth to this, this the same hotel. And she said every morning they would wake up and they would go to breakfast and they would see all these families about to go to Disney World. And she would see the shuttles and they were so close. They can hear the screams of uh, kids on roller coasters. And for years, she daydreamed about how amazing it would be to go to Disney World. Finally, one day, uh, her mother surprised her. And on a normal trip to the Disney World Hotel, she woke up in the morning and handed her some tickets. She and her siblings were going to get a chance to finally go into the theme park. She went into the theme park and, uh, you know, ate too much cotton candy, stayed too long, you know, stayed in line for two hours. And they asked her, the interviewer asked her, like, did Disney World live up to your expectations of what you thought it would be? She says, you know what? It was good, but no. In my brain, I had thought that it was going to be this perfection, this magical place that was going to make me the happiest I've ever been. And deep down inside, it just didn't do it. It was fun, but it didn't meet that expectation. Why is that? We live in a broken world. Nothing here is as it should be. Nothing we receive here can fully satisfy us. And you and I need to know what it feels like to navigate in a, in a broken world. Now, so the problem for us is not just our circumstances. And this is where we're getting to in understanding what it means to thrive in our faith. It's not just your circumstances that need to change for you to thrive. It's your expectations of these circumstances. When my late wife uh, had her first surgery, I remember, you know, being in the waiting room and then one of these ICU nurses came out to warn us about what it would feel like to walk into the room. And they prepared us and they said, hey, when you get into the room, there's going to be all these tubes all over the place. There's going to be blood. She's going to feel kind of cold. Uh, she might even have like her eyes rolling in the back of her head. She might be very kind of mumbly in her, in her conversation. But this is all normal. So don't freak out. So we finally walked in the room, and I said, oh, I mean, she looked bad, but I was like, well, she doesn't look as bad as what I thought she was going to look, so it felt okay. Now, they do this in hospitals because they know what it's like to not prepare someone for that, and they walk into a room, and they see their loved one, and there's blood, and there's machines beeping, and there's tubes all over the place, and people start to freak out. Why is that? Because you can take two people, put them in identical circumstances, and the thing that will determine your satisfaction or your happiness or your joy or your ability to endure that is not the circumstance, it's your expectations. Jesus has, is doing us a wonderful favor to reset our expectations of what it means to follow him and to live in a fallen world. He says, in this world, you will have suffering, or some translations say trouble, but be courageous because I have overcome the world. So number one, we definitely should never be surprised at things that happen in our lives. We should not feel that God owes us a perfect life or that becoming a follower of Jesus means, that a, means a pain-free life. Jesus is telling this to the people who loved him and, cared for, and he cared for the most, his disciples. And he's telling them, listen, I love you dearly, but in this world you're going to have suffering. Now, in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll get to the, what suffering does in our life and what it really truly does produce in our life that some things can actually almost only come through that. But suffice it to say for today, we should never be surprised when things don't go the way that we think they should go. We also shouldn't be panicked, right? We shouldn't panic as if this is something new or this is something that's happening to us because God doesn't love us or God doesn't care about us. These people Jesus cared about deeply. He loved them 
deeply, and he's telling them, in this world, you're going to have suffering. So it's up to us to learn to develop courage by changing the source of what we're hoping for. Jesus promises something we can stand on as a good expectation, that he has conquered the world. Now, if we're going to be people that live and grow by faith, we need to be people that hold Jesus to the expectations that he has agreed to. Uh, For a couple of times, we've talked about something called the expectation cycle. The expectation cycle is a way that you can determine whether or not your expectations of anyone are good. Uh, I owe this a lot to Pete Scazzaro um, from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in your relationships, in your marriages, in your friendships, in your jobs with your boss, the people who work below you, you should have four things that guide every expectation that you have. The first is that you need to think about what it is that you actually expect from someone, or in this case, what you expect from God. So they need to be conscious. Secondly, they need to not just be conscious, things that you think about, but they need to be realistic, right? If you expect someone to do something that's not realistic, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And disappointment always occurs in the gap in between what we expected and what we actually get. So is it conscious? We need to think about God. What is it that I actually expect from you to do? Do I expect that you will keep me from all danger at all times? Do I expect that you're gonna make my life better than the life of people in scripture who you loved already, that we know that you love them already? So are they realistic? Thirdly, are they communicated? And this is very important to do um, with other people, that you're telling people what your expectations are of them. And the fourth one is really big. These are expectations, not demands. So your, your expectations need to be agreed upon. You should never hold someone to an expectation that they haven't agreed upon. And if you expect, if I expected, as I did, that God was going to keep me from hurt, all hurt, harm, and danger, it eroded my faith, not because of the circumstance, but because of my expectations. So what are some expectations that Jesus has agreed to that we can hold God to? And these are some of the things that I want you guys clinging to this week and this month. Uh, what we can build our life on Job 19, 25 through 26, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. We can expect that our Redeemer lives and we will see him one day. We can expect that God will never abandon us no matter how dark our situation is, no matter how bleak uh, it feels or looks. Hebrews 13 and 5. We can expect that whatever we're going through right now is producing an eternal weight of glory, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. We can expect that there's meaning in our purpose, a meaning and purpose to our suffering. We can expect to know that Jesus is in control of all the storms, Matthew 8, 23 through 26. We can expect that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, Romans 8. We can expect that God has known us from the foundation of the world. He goes before us. He's behind us, uh, Psalm 139. We can expect that we are God's good workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2 and 10. We can expect that if we build our lives on God, we'll not be disappointed, Matthew 7. We can expect that if we give up our lives for him, we'll be saved, Luke 9. We can expect that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to not just forgive us of our sins, but cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9. We can expect that he's a good shepherd. Psalm 23. We can expect that Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. John 10 and 10. 
Now, the list goes on and on of all the things that we can expect from God. And what is it that you can expect from God this week? Maybe it's one of those scriptures that I just read, or maybe it's another one. And here's what I want you to do this week. There's something really powerful that happens to us when we meditate on scripture. When we think about something, take a small bite of something, and we chew on it over and over and over again over the course of time. And this week, whether it's a scripture I just said or a scripture that is coming to mind, if we're going to be people who live and grow by faith, we need to be people who meditate on scripture. Just pick one that I just read just now or maybe another one, and I want you guys spending time this week thinking about that and letting that lead us to be people who live by faith. Let me pray for us. Father, you have so many great and wonderful promises for us. I pray that those promises would be things that we can build our lives on, that those would be anchors for our soul, and that even when the winds are blowing in our circumstances, we will remain trusting in you, not in what we want you to do, but trusting in you and your character. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So now more than ever, we're going to need something that anchors us. Here's what I found to be true in the last couple of weeks personally and in all the conversations I've had. Uh, the coronavirus pandemic is a multiplier. So whatever problems you had going into this pandemic, they're now multiplied. So if you had financial problems before this, those are now multiplied. If you had anxiety before this, that's now multiplied. If you had marital issues before this, now that you're cooped up with someone, that's now multiplied. If you were struggling with loneliness before this, that's now multiplied. And in this pandemic, when everything is multiplied, we need something that's gonna anchor us and that's gonna keep us to be people who live by faith. And the best way that I know how to do that personally is by memorizing and meditating on scripture over and over again throughout my day, throughout my week. How I do this normally now is while I'm washing my hands, I'm repeating a scripture and over and over again, I'm letting it wash over me and anchor me. And if we're going to be people who live by faith, uh, this is a really good practice to put into place. So, but if you're new to Renaissance, uh, we want you to do, oh, for everyone, we want you guys to do two things. Uh, one, we want to connect with you. We want to stay connected. I was talking to a person today and they started to um, let me know that uh, mental health professionals now are even advocating to not say social distancing and say physical distance because we need social connection. Uh, we need physical distance absolutely to stop the spread, but we do need social connection and something meaningfully. So uh, on this page, uh, there's some links to fill out a connection card. If we're not already connected with you, we want you to fill that out so we can stay connected and let you know all the exciting things we have happening in this community. Uh, the second thing I want you to consider doing is to give and to be a part of the mission that we are seeing happen here in New York City and in Harlem. Uh, and last Sunday, we announced that we were giving away our entire offering to help people who were financially impacted by this pandemic, hourly wage workers, those who have lost jobs, those who can't find a new job now because everything is shut down. And we were aiming to give away $50,000. And in four days, uh, five days, we had raised $49,000. And I was just blown away by how generous this community is. Now, on Friday, we found out that there was a very generous donor who wanted to match everything given between Friday and Sunday up to $25,000. So we have the chance to give away $100,000. That's crazy. That's really crazy. And here's what I want you to do. We're really close 
to being able to do that, really close to being able to do that. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to that give page and I want you to consider giving and setting up a recurring gift. Uh, the recurring givers here at Renaissance are the ones who are the backbone of this community and you guys make it able for us to give very generously. And for those of you who want to give a one-time gift and push us to our goal as well, we would love for that to happen. So go to the page, it's on our website and it's also uh, linked here below as well if you're watching on YouTube. So I'm gonna toss it over to Lester Kim. He's gonna take us to our benediction. Peace. Hi, my name is Lester and one of the pastors here at Renaissance. We hope that you're encouraged as you, as you heard today's sermon from Jordan about expectations of how God is moving us past circumstantial uh, faith to a biblical one and just a, just a whole difference that makes in our lives. We hope that you will look into the scripture. We hope that you will look into the Bible and be reminded of the just the expectations we can have in God of who he has shown us in his son, Jesus Christ. Now we want to close this service by giving you the benedictions, God's good word to us. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you, comfort you and humble you to know that your Lord and Savior came into our troubled and broken world to not only suffer with you, but also to be with you and also lead us home. And may the deep love of God our Father comfort you this day to know that while he may seem silent in these troubled times, he, that he does not leave us alone and you are not alone because his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And may the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our counselor, be with you, grow you past a circumstantial faith to a biblical one that eagerly looks forward in expectation to seeing what God has promised us in his word to see him show up in our lives. Be with you now, today, and forevermore. Amen.